1: Eight minutes after eight and thank you so much for tuning into AM live and what a flurry of messages coming through. Uh, but we're going to put Sona and Sona discussions on ice for the time being. As I said earlier, what we'll do tomorrow is we'll have a pre-Sona discussion with our analysts that will be on the forum at eight this morning and promise to open the lines nice and early so you can get your thoughts in as well. Right now, though, uh, we turn to today's discussion, which is also informed By you, uh, some of our listeners, uh, worried about the rate of substance abuse in South Africa. Many of our listeners are concerned that our communities are being lost and lost to drugs because it would seem as though we cannot get uh, get a hold of uh, this particular situation and uh, that... Some feel that we are actually losing the war against drugs in the country. Now, last week we spoke about this very scary new trend of bluetoothing, and uh, then of course there's uh, the, uh, the, the the other substances uh, that are also have been a problem for quite some time and continue to be a problem. Uh, marijuana, there's cocaine, uh, there's stick, and all sorts of other things. So we're talking about this war against drug abuse in South Africa, are we losing the war? And I think most people would say, well, that's a rhetorical question because it seems as though the incidence is on the increase. But why are we losing this war, if indeed that is the premise from which we move? What is it? that we are not doing correctly and what is it that we can do better in order to try and reverse this particular tide. So let's talk about it. Um, I had a social worker who wrote to me about this, saying that one part of the problem is also access to rehabilitation. So when it comes to rehabilitation, um, it is exorbitantly uh, restrictive because not many people can actually afford to send a loved one To rehab because it is so expensive. And unfortunately, as far as uh, state facilities, there aren't many of those. So it would seem as though once someone is hooked on drugs, then their chances of, you know, finding themselves a way out of that situation are very slim. And also... Someone else wrote to me about the situation about um, drugs being sold at schools and others concurring with that situation. And it is very worrying. So what is going on, South Africa? Why are we losing this battle and what should be done? for us to reverse this tide. Please call us on 0891 You can tweet or Facebook us at AM live on SAFM using the hashtag AM live, which is doing very well this morning. And, uh, you can also send us an SMS via 34701 and that will cost you one rand. So, um, let me welcome our guest this morning, uh, Tracy, uh, Seinstein, who's operations manager at South African depression and anxiety group (SADAG). Tracy, thanks for your time this morning. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having us on your show. Absolute pleasure. And we also have Mark Gardner, who's a psychologist um, at Queso Kenilworth Clinic. Thank you so much for your time as well, Mark. Do we have Mark there? Mark?
2: No, this is Andrew from Anti-Drug Alliance.
1: Okay, Uh, I think we we will try and see if we can get Mark back. But uh, thanks for your time as well, Andrew Stoller, who's a coastal director at the Anti-Drug Alliance of South Africa. Welcome to the show. Now, let me start by asking you, Andrew, are we, in effect, losing the battle against drug and substance abuse? Uh,
2: I definitely think we are. If If you term it as being a war on drugs, then the battle is definitely being lost. The extent that we're experiencing the problems in South Africa is rated as one of the highest in the world.
1: But what does that mean? If if, if we are the highest in the world, uh, uh, just if you could outline for us the extent of the problem that we are faced with.
2: Okay, so I won't say we're the highest, but we're certainly up there at the top with other countries as uh, the worst. Experiencing so, uh, I was I was actually meeting with the police in Cape Town yesterday, where in certain areas they're experiencing seventy percent of households are actually affected by drugs.
1: Seventy percent,
2: in a certain area of Cape Town, is being is experiencing uh, substance abuse issues in in the homes.
1: So, what sort of substances are we talking about here?
2: Uh, it depends on where we're talking about. When we talk about the more impoverished areas, then we're looking at street drug drugs like niopi and tic, which is crystal meth. And it's really down to affordability, which is where these uh, drugs are coming in. They generally are coming in around about 30 rand for a dose.
1: But people are also asking, who are the drug dealers? Because when it comes to the different communities, People will say that they know who these people are, but do we really know who they are? Do we really know? Because if we know then, um, in that case, Andrew, why are they not being arrested? Why is this proliferating if we know who these people are?
2: So a lot of it is controlled by gangs. So you're dealing with a, with a large organized organization at, the, at that level, but they are attracting the youngsters that have no opportunity for employment and there's a way of generating income to support their habit and to support their households is where the attraction is coming in. So it's, it's so rife that uh, it's just that our, our policing structures and justice system is not able to cope with the quantity.
1: And as far as, um, you know, the the, the profile of the drug users, you spoke about 70% in one community. Are you able to tell us which community that is?
2: Um, It is one of the Cape Flats communities. I prefer not to actually name it, if that's okay.
1: So if we look at, uh, you know, uh, that particular situation, would you say it's a class situation whereby, um, you know, you would have that high incidence in one area on the Cape Flats. Is it less, though, in other areas, or is it just underreported?
2: Uh, I don't believe it's less in other areas. I think underreporting plays a role. Uh, but it, uh, if you want to go to the root causes of why we're experiencing the levels of problem that we are, it's our socioeconomic situations that is actually creating the extent of the problem. Factoring things like lack of opportunity and lack of employment, where people are sitting at home with absolutely nothing to do, is one of the biggest drivers, we believe, as far as uh, why we're experiencing the levels of problems we are.
1: So, this is so, so sapping. Tracy, when we talk about, you know, people who find themselves now in this situation whereby they are addicted to drugs... Talk to us about mm. the psychology in that particular situation. You know, what, what do people go through? What is it that they are dealing with? Because I think very often though, those of us not dealing with an addiction find it difficult to understand the behavior of these people.
3: Mm. Um, I think, you know, um, as soon as we get our um, expert, the psychologist on, that's the person who's actually going to really be able to focus on the psyche of the mind and how it plays out. Um, But certainly it's an area that we work with being the largest national NGO working on mental illness and mental wellness um, across the country and working on creating that, you know, education and awareness, there certainly is um, a large comorbidity for people that are suffering with depression um, and some of the more chronic mental illnesses, um, and there's the, the comorbidity to an addiction. So whether the addiction was um, the drugs, um, alcohol, um there's, it plays out. And I think it's, it's exactly um, what, what Andrea said. There's certainly a large amount, you know, people get depressed when they don't have a purpose, uh, when life throws the curveballs at them, you know, Um, you're sitting in traffic and suddenly you're going to be late and your day's going, you're not going to make the job interview that you were going for. People stress out. um, They don't get that interview. It's another door that closes in their mind, um, another opportunity that they don't get. Um, And depending on what has happened in their life and where they are with their mental wellness, their state of health, Um, it's very easy to move into depression. And if they don't get diagnosis and the right therapeutic help, which is often medication and therapy combined, it's very easy to turn to substance and think that in actual fact, this is going to make it work for me and it's actually going to go away. So it's it's, it's a complex cycle. Um, and that is why, you know, our area is to really focus on recognizing what are the signs of depression, what are the symptoms that people show, what are the behavior signs that they're showing, so that friends, family, loved ones, business colleagues can say, you know what, whatever is going on, there is help out there. And don't turn to the substance, because I think in a time of depression, in a, in a time when your life is low, that addiction kicks in very, very quickly.
1: But it would seem as though uh, the drug dealers are now targeting people from younger ages so that, uh, you know, when you hear about drugs being sold at primary school and sometimes people even lacing sweets that Mm. are sold to children with drugs, how do you how do you deal with that? How do you intervene in that situation?
3: Mm. Well, I think, you know, this is where we um, come in and have to continue, and we have had for the past five years, we've worked closely with the Department of Social Development. We run a 24-hour substance abuse line, but that education and that awareness, um, teaching the children um, to say no, teaching them boundaries, how to work and understand, um, you know, getting in touch with their feelings so that when you see somebody that's offering something and you think, "Mm, I, I know my Mom told me don't take things from strangers. Um, I know I shouldn't be um, taking a cold drink from somebody that it's already been opened. That these little things really, really do make an impact. Um, and I suppose it's, it's like Andrew said in the beginning. You know, we're talking about where society is at the moment, mm. and all of the, the NGOs, the social workers, um, the groups that are on the ground that are working in the communities to just keep trying to create that awareness and help one or two, um, you know, one or two, and for us it's a life saved at the end of the day, and I'm sure it's the same with the type of work that Andrew is doing. If, yeah. if you can save one or two, then, you do, then you're making a difference.
1: You see the Um, difficulty, Tracy, uh, when you say that, um, you know, we should teach our children not to accept things from strangers, etc., etc. The problem is when the people selling the drugs to your children are people you know, people your children know, whom you've grown up with and around in the same community.
3: This is true. It is. It's hard, and I think that's where, you know, the expert opinion from the psychologist comes in because the challenges of life at the moment are are not easy, and there's no quick fix, but we've got to keep on trying. And I think for with the support of the media, knowing that there is access to help, Phone numbers, um, toll-free numbers, SMSs, websites, um, organizations that, that Andrew's running that are on the ground, that are in the communities, where people can actually go and get help, we've just got to keep moving forward because... Every day, we try and make a difference for one particular individual.
1: Mm. Um, Andrew, do you find that people uh, actually do seek out opportunities uh, to actually escape this particular route in life? Do they actually seek out opportunity from um, uh, people like yourself who deliver certain services or SADAC? Or is it easier to just fall prey to the drug dealers because they are right there?
2: So... Tracy mentioned in terms of the behaviours and she, she's absolutely correct. When you... It, it, people are numbing their emotional pain. When you're sitting in a life which is suffering and it has not got the purpose, the people's automatic reaction is a need to medicate. So that driver becomes so strong and when you don't get any benefit from medication through the healthcare system, and you have the access to the street drugs that are there, they really are effective in numbing that pain for that period of time. The consequences of using the drugs, though, is so detrimental that after a period of time, people will go and say, oh, no, I need help. And this is where our system is failing, because it is unable to provide the level of help that's required. It is a complicated situation, undoing the behaviors and helping people get down to the bottom of why they're experiencing the emotional pain that they are is the key to them moving forward. We offer a program which is an outpatient-based program, which doesn't require the costing that is involved in order to be able to have people housed in a rehab center where you're having to provide meals and accommodation. And this is an effective way of helping people but the magnitude of the problem is just so extensive that, again, helping that one person at a time is what our organization does, and when you help that person, it is a heartwarming experience, but the extent of the problem is just getting worse and worse. And I I really do believe that if we keep referring to it as a war on drugs, then its situation is not going to really change much, and it requires a change of reference as far as that is concerned. If we looked at this as being a...
1: And we just lost Andrew there, and um, I'm not sure if Tracy is still with us. Uh, but uh, let me just yeah. thank so much, Tracy. The number oh eight nine one one zero four two zero eight, and um, you can also tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM. Let's read some of those messages. Uh, Baba Zile says, asking uh, white organizations to solve drug abuse amongst black youth. Um, shaking my head. Black youth do drugs for different reasons than other
3: races. What's your response to that, Tracy? Um, again, you know, I'd like to say I think um, experts' opinion would play a role, but based on what we know and handle within the, the parameters of mental wellness, um, there isn't any difference. Um, I do think that the comments placed earlier in terms of lack of employment, lack of purpose certainly does play a role and therefore socio-economic and, you know, the social environment, the, the areas where people are living does play a particular role. Um, but at the end of the day, addiction affects uh, black or white the same way. Um, and again, you know, it's, Andrew was starting to allude to this, that... Um, There is such a need for people to have the purpose. When people have a purpose, when they feel valued, when they can recognize their own sense of self-esteem, they know what their core values are. Um then they are not looking to turn to a substance to relieve the pain, to pick up their self-esteem, to make them feel better. And um, that really makes no difference. That philosophy makes no difference to color. It's the same for everybody. Um, And I really do think that we're in a country where we there is such a need to increase the outpatient programs, the access to rehabilitation programs, and exactly like we were saying earlier on, the private facilities are just out of the reach of the everyday normal individual. Um, uh, mm-hmm.
1: I believe we have Andrew back. I just want to put this question from Sabelo Andenze to you. What is so difficult for government, uh, why is it so difficult for them to chase away these drug dealers because they are all over South Africa? Why, why, why is that so difficult?
2: The demand. If, if there were not that many people that were acquiring substances, then there wouldn't be as many people being able to supply.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so it goes straight back to the users. So we always say as an organization that people call us in the Anti-Drug Alliance that we're not a police force that's able to come into a community and be able to help with the supply issue, but what we can do is try try and affect the demand. In other words, people not actually being able to want the substances, which goes back to then your socioeconomic situations as being able to actually provide purpose for people will be the thing that will allow them not to actually want to
1: use and uh, just uh, received a tweet also from Nondu who concurs with you Says um, we'll continue to lose this war as long as some of the police work with the drug lords And when I asked the drug dealer to stop destroying the kids He said someone else would do it if he didn't So uh, that's a scary comment but I guess these are the realities that people live with uh, Let's take some calls on 891 Arnold is calling us from Durban Good morning Arnold
4: Hi, good morning, Sakina. Um, very interesting discussion. Um, the, the point I just wanted to make is that we seem to uh, spend a lot of time and efforts and, and very, uh, you know, honourable efforts and good efforts treating the symptoms of this problem. You know, things like support and rehabilitation and um, uh, all that sort of thing. And, and obviously, you know, to win the war, as you put it, I, I believe we've got to get right to the cause. Um and I think both your guests have mentioned, you know, socioeconomic uh, um, factors being at the root of the pause. I think even to take it a, a step back from that, and very specifically from my perspective, is um, it's about the uh, the decay of the family unit, and, and very specifically the lack of fathering. And uh, I believe if we could spend uh, more effort in getting fathers of this nation to take up their responsibilities – uh, and 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 you know uh, emphasis on the on on the preservation of the family unit, you know, more children would be raised with those um, uh, you know values and those purposes and and all of that that we spoke about that would uh, sup- self esteem and so on. Um, that's that's my brief uh, point, Sakina. Mm. Okay,
1: yeah? No, thanks so much, Arnold. Interesting, uh, because uh, at Blackpain also speaks about that, saying, if you don't drink or smoke, how do you cope with being denied you access know? to education? How do you cope with being a father and a mother to your siblings? And, and and these are some of the aspects that we generally don't tend to think about, but also something that Tracy touched on. But let's hear from Eddie in Cape Town. Morning, Eddie.
0: Morning, morning, and Morning to the panel. Um, Look, uh, I tend to agree with the lady who said, um, um, why have white organizations um, talking about black addiction? And I'm I'm not taking that route that she is taking, but I'm taking the route that says, for me, these organizations seem to be there for the purpose of, uh, um, should, should all the drug users be not there and everyone not there? They will not have work. To be honest with you, so where am I going with this? There seems to be no uh, uh, um, willpower from the society and the government and everyone to, to to deal with the drug problem. You know, Sakin, I'm driving now um, uh, to work. I'm passing through a place called delver Ask Ask the, the the guys there who know a place called delver. You know, there are drug laws now standing here um, in a queue, and the police are passing by all the time, and ev- the society is passing by as well, and those guys are selling; They're not even hiding it. So the issue of saying um, there is a lot of demand, I-, I think it's a nonsensical kind of argument, and the argument that says people have got a lot of problems, that's why they go to drugs. I think... It's a nonsensical um, um, argument. I'll tell you why, Sakina. I've worked all over Africa. I've been to Zimbabwe. I've been to Zambia. You know, those guys, bread without Rama or anything is a delicacy for them. The mothers that are working in South Africa in what we call char, they work five jobs to raise their kids, and some of those kids are doctors now and all of this. And they've got more problems than South Africa, and their kids never tend to drugs. So, why should South Africa accept this kind of diagnosis and, and, and nonsensical um, um, kind of arguments where metric kids, uh, um, before the results come out, have got psychologists standing by waiting to... I mean, we did metric and we passed it and failed it and went back and did it again. So I think as, as a country, uh, it, it makes me a bit wet up or I don't want to say angry, but... I feel these experts that come to radio and so on and, and, and say, yeah, we need expert advice. We need, I, I think it's nonsensical, Sakina, to be So honest. what is the solution? I, I, I just, what is the I solution? Just don't want, the solution is, as a society, we need to stand up and enforce government to, to, to deal with drug drug laws. If, if the mayor of New York, I can't remember his name, suspended the constitution at some point and dealt with gangs and all of that and, and, and eradicated it, what stops us from doing that? I think we have a knee-jerk reaction where we say, ah, oh, no, South Africa, because of apartheid. I mean, many countries have, have had more problems than we do. Okay. And must we still go on and on like that? No, I don't think so. I think we, 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 we are a country that's going to be living by medication. All and- right.
1: I got you. And it's getting very interesting, this discussion about uh, drug abuse in South Africa, the fact that we seem to be losing uh, this fight against drug abuse in our communities. And we are asking this morning, why is that the case? Because very often we hear people say that, but we all know who the drug dealers are. So if we know what the drug dealers are, if we know what the situation is, why then is it that we are failing to actually stem the tide when it comes to drug abuse in South Africa? Very interesting points made by Eddie before the break. And I uh, just want to read some of the messages coming through as well. Gosing Pilem says, SK government is putting 400 soldiers at Sona. They should be deploying those soldiers on the streets and removing the drugs And the drug lords, Mpom Putini, uh, Putini says socioeconomic issues can't be ignored in order to win uh, this war and get rid of corrupt cops who work with the dealers. And speaking of uh, corrupt cops working with the dealers, there is one here from uh, Tabo Daniel who says uh, China has more than one billion citizens and yet they don't suffer from this madness. Why is that? It speaks to the rule of law at maximum. Uh, Lloyd uh, Frazenberg says in Eldorado Park, drugs are openly sold on the streets, similar like a drive-thru. Police are fully aware of this and they do absolutely nothing. Uh, Mohamed N. Sheik says Pagad is of the opinion that uh, curbing drugs is a 3 pronged approach. Stop the dealers, help the addicts and skills development centers. Uti Christians says depression is a mental illness Illness. How does drug play a role? Uh, if you uh, you must get rid of the drugs, uh, that's the problem. That's the first problem that you should be uh, focusing on. King Damane, uh, they are in partnership with the cops, these drug dealers, and that's one reason why it's difficult to get rid of them. Again, We've heard these stories over and over and over again. Tulani and Zima also drugs sold during daylight in Kempton Park. And these people aren't even hiding or afraid. So it seems as though, they, 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 you know, whatever efforts are being put out here, Are not effective. It seems as though there doesn't seem to be sufficient will and not just on the part of law enforcement, Um, but but, but we have to look further than that as well to actually deal with this situation. Um, Eddie made the example of what happened uh, with uh, Rudy Giuliani in New York. But let's just comment on that and then also bring in our other guest, uh, Mark Gardner, uh, who's a psychologist. But let me start with your comments, Andrew.
2: So all of the co- all of the comments and the SMSs have been are absolutely valid. From the family structure and unit point of view, being able to help define um, morals and conviction, and to provide and help purpose is absolutely key to a success going forward. Again, that sits into a social issue. As far as corruption is concerned, it's rife. Right. And the lack of political will from government in order to be able to actually deal with the problem is a very large reason for the extent of the problem that we're seeing. But if we were to be able to say and take the st- drugs off the street tomorrow, you're still sitting with the people having the emotional pain that they are experiencing and will turn to something else to be able to use to numb that pain. So it's a like the man...
1: That line keeps dropping, uh, but we'll try and get Andrew back. Uh, Tracy?
3: Hi, I'm still here.
1: So, so what's your response to some of the comments?
3: The response, yeah, um, is very much um, as we, we've been talking through. I think uh, family structure um, and support is crucial, and we see that in so many aspects of of the stigma and the genuine understanding around mental illness. Um People need to really be educated, and we need to constantly work on this awareness campaign to understand that the complexities of mental illness doesn't mean that you point a finger at the one person and say you're the one with the problem. The support, um, the understanding, the compassion needs to come from the, the, the smaller the smaller so we start with the family unit, then we work to the community, then we work to the school, then we work to the business. So that there's a, everybody has a role to play to help the person who is battling with the mental illness. Let's talk about depression because that is so easily um, associated with kicking to an addiction and taking drugs. Um, so... When there is support, when there is compassion, and when we look at it in the bigger picture of things, when we get out of the smaller communities, we we start to say we've seen it um, with the with the issues that are confront that are on our front pages with departments of health at the moment in this country, that we do not have enough resources to to access. Uh, rehabilitation, and we're not even talking about long-term treatment facilities where people have got to be hospitalized. We're actually just talking to easy access in the communities of um, outpatient programs, which um, Andrew was talking about, so that when the addiction starts, when the, the access to drugs starts, that very quickly families and communities can get support. By the time, often, people phone in and ask for help, the addiction is so far gone, the person actually needs to be hospitalized, and those facilities are not readily available. It's only available to exclusive individuals who have got genuine access to private funding or medical aid, and that's where we're missing, the, you know, the gaps are missing.
1: So uh, let me welcome um, uh, our third guest uh, this morning, and uh, that is Mark, who's a psychologist, Mark Gardner. Mark, you know, people are not really buying into the issue of depression and, you know, that leading to uh, drug abuse or uh, basically exacerbating the problem. So from a psychologist's perspective, how does this work? Um, Why do people turn to drugs?
5: Yeah, good morning. Um, it's, a good, it's, a, it's quite a broad-ranging uh, question and quite a complex issue. And I think what, what, you know, the guests are saying and all the points point to is there, there's obviously a high level of disparity and stresses uh, in this country. And obviously one of the main things we need to understand is how are, let's say, the kids, the young adults out there surviving? And one of the complementing issues, I mean, if you ask a drug addict, why do you use drugs, they'll tell you because it works. It makes me, in the short term, feel better about my situation. So immediately from understanding that narrative, okay, well, what is it allowing you to do? Um, Well, it's making me feel more confident. Um, I don't feel hungry. Um, So for the short term, it works. And a lot of the a lot of the people that are in the let's say the socio-economic areas that are struggling, they often then are starting to make a living off using drugs. So there has to be a multi-pronged approach to to an intervention, um, and. It's not just the mental disorders that run run concurrent uh, with with, with the addiction. But I think, you know, what makes it more difficult for me to answer the question is that I, I, like your last caller was saying, I work in the private health sector. So I'm only serving an echelon of the community that can afford medical aid, that can then get themselves into hospital. But we need a broad-ranging kind of almost an organic uh, solution where we are putting money into communities and grassroots, almost playgrounds where we can reclaim the streets. And you actually need to work in hand in hand with some of the the the, the merchants, um, the gang leaders, and the people that have got let's call it a kind of a a power dynamic on the streets where there's a certain amount of control and monopoly on the the streets.
1: How so? Are you saying that in order to resolve this issue, we need to uh, bring the drug dealers into the fold as part of the solution?
5: Well, I think, um, you know, for every drug dealer that the police arrest, there's, there's one to replace them just as quickly. Um, you know, and if we take a critical awareness of you know, a, a kind of a, a power dynamic where we want to intervene, we can't just drive a Casper down the road and um, deploy a whole lot of military personnel and think that if they do a search, of different houses and arrest people that are using, that that is going to stem the tide. I mean, they've used, uh, you know, in, if we look at America, the, the war on drugs has just put more people in prison. Um, and, you know, so there has to be a kind of people sitting around a table and, and actually having a conversation around how do we get everybody in this community to be more harmonious? How do we, even law enforcement, how do we get the level of functionality up for everybody? And it is particularly difficult in this country um, because, you know, of the, of the, of the wide-ranging disparity. So, you know, if, if you go down onto the streets and you ask somebody, um, you know, what does the local merchant do? He doesn't just sell drugs. He also has a monopoly where you can get vegetables. You can get the odd Easter egg. So it's actually a system that's in place that that actually, you know, although it's incredibly violent and, you know, is, you know, leading to a whole lot of poor people, you know, to be kind of self-medicating, the system is there because of the history of kind of uh, subjugation. Mm. So it's a a very difficult thing to, 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 to fix.
1: Mm. And, and 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 that perhaps does go some ways towards explaining why communities find it so difficult to um stand up against these drug dealers because as you say mark uh it's very seldom that they just sell drugs these are the very people that some community members rely on um you know to to put food on the table for one reason or another sometimes even as far as going to bury their loved ones uh, because people do find them st- themselves in st- States of destitution, and as it were, it was often these drug dealers who come to their aid. So very convoluted situation. But let's take a few more calls on oh eight nine one one zero four two zero eight. Mark is in Durbanville. Good morning, Mark.
4: Uh, Good morning, Sakina. Look, you know, people have used the words like hope and meaning and purpose on this program. And, you know, we are indoctrinating our society and especially our young people at school and the media at university in the idea that we arose, we got here through a mindless, purposeless, meaningless process of chemical and, and molecular evolution over hundreds of millions of years. Where do you get purpose and meaning and hope from that idea, from that uh, philosophical idea of where we came from? And so we're undermining ourselves, and in fact, if you go back to the very beginning of the, the modern drug, drug culture in the 60s, people like Aldous Huxley, he was a guru of the, the early pop movement and of the Beatles and that, and he advocated taking of drugs because we had got here by this, by this uh, um, inhumane p- uh, process of evolution – survival of the fittest, elimination of the weak. And he actually advocated heaven in a bottle, uh, some kind of euphoria from chemicals from because he believed in this mindless, purposeless universe in which we live. And this is the very uh, world view that we are indoctrinating, uh, especially our young people with in, in school and university and so on.
1: Well, thanks so much, Mark. We'll get some comment on that later on. Erastus in Vidbang, good morning.
6: Hi, i Look, I, the issue of drugs it really pains all of us. all of us are parents, but there is one specific school in Witbank whereby we were told by parents that there are people who are selling drugs. And as a school governing body, we communicated with the then, acting principal to try and investigate, and we also personally got involved. But to find that that particular person was isolating everybody, running a school with two, three people, and at the end of the day, we ended up having a strike and learners telling us that. They are smoking because of this is what the principal is doing. As, as things stand now, the very same person is brought back to the school, is fighting with everybody, swearing even the now acting principal, fighting with the educators, and the learners responded that again. Parents have told us in the meeting that then, that person must be removed. The department don't want to act. So we don't want drugs in that particular school. I've sent you an, 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 an SMS to say, please get the department official involved because we don't want drugs in that school because learners they end up not learning outside the school during working hours because educators, they are fighting in that particular institution. So we cannot have that situation going on. We're very, very tired. i wow. at SMS yesterday and this morning. The name of the school is Pine Ridge Combined in Woodbank. I've even forwarded to the numbers of the director of, 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 of that particular region because we have written several times to them and to the HOD that we don't want that kind of a situation. Yesterday I also received a complaint from educators that she was swearing at them, even saying the acting principal has no backbone because she was acting before. She caused a strike in that institution. Our children were nearly killed. And when we told them about drugs, they said, why must you not smoke? Because this person, this is what they are doing. Now they protect the person again at the school. We're going to have drugs problem again. The government does not care. Sure,
1: thank you so much. Can I
6: give you my share
7: no,
1: number now? No, 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 no. I'm going to put you back to our producers, and uh, they'll take your details because this is worrying. I was listening to uh, Rowena Baird the other day, and uh, talking about uh, teachers who actually, when they draw up the print, uh, the, the 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 timetable, uh, actually there there's some consternation because nobody wants to teach after the lunch break because these children will come into class high. I don't know. Mandai in four ways. Good morning.
4: Uh, Good good morning, Sakina. Uh, My solution uh, is actually plain and simple. Uh, Bring back the death sentence for the drug loss. You see, when you bring back, you're actually solving the problem as opposed to just treating the symptoms. And I want to believe that other countries like China are doing it. So there's nothing untoward by bringing back the death sentence. We'll simply be getting rid of the pastor, one by one. Okay. That's my solution to the problem.
1: Okay. Uh, Mandla, in uh, four ways, uh, says capital punishment might be the answer. Zolani Simia on my Twitter feed says, uh, your guests are being academic about this. Arrest the drug lords and then provide psychological assistance in jail, period. Because it's like asking an abusive husband to stop beating his wife. Get him into jail first. And then you rehabilitate him when he's in jail. Let's hear from Anonymous in Bloemfontein. Good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm well, and you? And thank you very much. Uh, Just, I wanted
7: to share with you, um, I'm involved in drug rehabilitation, and I've been listening to all the interesting comments that have been coming in, and they are correct. Um, However, one of the questions you asked, you said, why do people do drugs? There are two things that are very important here. Curiosity, and the other one is stress, anxiety. Um, And, Skinner, one of the things that we have found working with young people, and I work primarily in townships, is that um, the system is broken down. The family structures are broken down. There's stress. The children are involved in the wrong things. Um, due to what I call the social media frenzy. And the, the young guys are really, they, they want to do something different, but there's nothing to do. Um, I live in a small town in the Free State. The kids have got nothing to do. And this previous caller spoke about somebody in uh, at school, the teachers don't want to ask. I've been at a school, we've been called, come quickly, there's uh, dealers at the school. Class should be on. I'm talking at ten o'clock in the morning, mm. and kids are outside dealing with the de- dealers through the fence. Sure. Uh, so you see, to me, one of the biggest things in our country is we, we the teachers' discipline. I know that's a whole other discussion, and I've listened to some of your interesting ones about discipline and corporate punishment. We're not advocating that, but.
1: There's no control anymore. Mm. And, um, and I, it I would come say, from home, don't you think, Anonymous? Because I always say it's easy to uh, you know, um, say that the teacher is failing, but you fail with your one child, two children at home, and the teacher has to take care of however many children in a class. So it can't be easy.
7: It, it's not. And I, I must just share with you, I did some training up in Mapumalanga recently and I was there with people from the Department of Education. And the the high higher people, when we'd finished the Chappie said to me in charge, he said, You know what? We have a problem. You're teaching the kids something at home at school, sorry, and they go home and their parents have a different attitude. And right now in our country the the highest issues of drugs are Doha, and alcohol are the two highest problems we have. you know that research, we've done some research that 60% of kids at school have tried it. And this is where I said the curiosity factor and the peer factor are very important. Um, The peer pressure comes in. Uh, You want to be part of the crowd, smoke with us.
1: Okay. Uh anonymous uh, unfortunately uh, that line deteriorating as well. Um Tommy says bring back Capital punishment for drug lords. Uh, where does Manda get that? Um, no, it, it, we didn't ever have that. But I suppose what he was saying is that we should bring back capital punishment, one, and uh, that it should be imposed on drug lords. I think that was the the point that he was making. But uh, I do get uh, the factual uh, inaccuracy that you've spotted there. Thanks so much for that, Tommy. When I hang in good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, and you? I'm well you know what
6: uh, uh, mr kena i think the only solution that our government can do uh, to rescue our 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 citizens from drugs is to to to, to deploy uh, uh, the 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 sadf uh, uh, to our townships the same thing that they are doing is to protect uh, our president uh, president zuma in in parliament they must do the same thing to to, to in our townships
8: to, to to arrest these people who are sitting that is the only solution
1: Okay. Thanks, uh, Munaheng. uh, Yajin, Cape Town. Good morning.
8: Hi, Sakena. We are losing the war against drugs because... We are failing to address the issues of unemployment and poverty. We pay a lot of lip service as politicians to these issues, but we do nothing different to address these issues. We really need to look at new creative policies like universal basic income. It has to be a multi-pronged approach to this problem. But without dealing with the unemployment and the levels of poverty and inequality in this country, we will fail to win this war. And I think with this, everyone's talking about the fourth industrial revolution. What does that mean? It means the robots are coming, more job losses, more unemployment, and a youth without hope. We mm. need to restructure the way work is organized in society and the way people are, the social security system operates. A basic income will empower people so they, they're less dependent on uh, p- pursuing uh, activities, uh, drug-related activities.
1: Well thank, well, thank you so, you so much, much, Yaj. And uh, I, I didn't think about that. Uh, but uh, this is why I love our our listeners because, you know, they, they they will come up, think out of the box and come up with all of these uh, different inferences. Let me read some SMSs. This one says, bring back uh, the death penalty and drug lords should uh, receive that. Send the people that use drugs to work camps. That's from Dave in the Eastern Cape. This one says, Sakina, our country is hell. The taverns and bottle stores uh, time must be limited. Limited, and people must be deployed. Um, this one says since 2001, when Portugal decriminalized drug use, addiction has fallen. Uh, drug related deaths are virtually unheard of. We have uh, this convert. We must have this conversion as well. That's from Jabulo. Uh, this one. Uh, New York is one of the cities that legalized marijuana and that. And is that not true or is marijuana not a drug? Uh, that's from Gideon Stone. It's a question, I suppose. And another one, dumping zone, banana republic, uh, jungle is South Africa for all drug dealers and all who live in it. Sakina, if you know Mpumalanga Mbombela, the police station is next to the drug dealers and they don't uh, do anything. We see them every day talking and laughing, and uh, so many more of uh, those type of messages. But unfortunately, we are coming to the end of the show, so let's just wrap up. Uh, let's start with uh, Mark. What's your closing remarks for us on this one?
5: Yeah, I just, I'm just uh, hearing the comments from the different uh, listeners, and I think you know what I'm hearing is there's quite a dichotomy in terms of some people saying, you know, let's... Um, take action against the people that are dealing and using the drugs. And I worry about that because I think sometimes, you know, a violent reaction or an angry reaction just serves to marginalize these people. And what that actually does is is it actually tends to kind of concretize their identity in terms of being a user and feeling like they don't have a place in society. So I think, you know, if we just picture a household, What needs to happen in terms of looking after that household is that for the first 1,000 days of an infant coming into this world, there needs to be a lot of care and love. And, you know, the five years of parenting where the parents are actually a cohesive unit looking after each other, and being able to have support that if a mom is struggling she can go to an ngo and say look i'm really struggling there's stress um, i don't sometimes know when i'm going to get the next loaf of bread instead of having to go to the merchant and saying look i'm struggling i need to get through the day can i please have a straw so for me these are the things that need to happen and then the next 20 years of of a child's life in terms of you know re-looking at how do we empower and give these people a skill set where they actually feel like they are active participants of society.
1: Well, we're going to have to leave it there uh, because we are out of time. But thank you so much to our guest this morning, Andrew Stoller, Coastal Director at the Anti-Drug Alliance of South Africa. Also uh, Tracy uh, Seinstein, who's Operations Manager at the South African Depression and Anxiety Group, SADAC, as well as Mark Gardner there, a psychologist uh, with the Akeso-Candleworth Clinic. And perhaps just the last message to leave you with from Zaki Matebula, who says, SK, we know who are selling the drugs. Why why is the saps quiet on this and listening to the previous callers, I feel their pain and 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 that is it. But, of course, we'll continue this conversation with the powers that be. We'll bring in the police to find out why is it that they seem to be not acting against the information that is brought to them. So we'll continue this at another time tomorrow coming to you from Cape Town where we'll do a pre-sonar debate on the forum at 8. Looking forward to that and have a good day. It's uh, time now for the 9 o'clock news with Noam Luli.